0: This is Crime Connections and we're your hosts. I'm Jackie and I'm Sarah. Today we will be talking to you about a case that happened 34 years ago. About 425 a.m. on August 23rd of 1987 there was a 75 car 6,000 ton Union Pacific freight train more than a mile long traveling at a rate of more than 50 miles per hour, en route to Little Rock, Arkansas. While going through the town of Alexander, the engineer Stefan Schroyer saw something on the tracks ahead, but he could not tell what it was. As the train drew closer, Stefan made the horrifying discovery that there were two bodies lying motionless across the railroad tracks about 300 feet ahead. Those on the train also stated that the bodies were partially covered by a green tarp, Although the police disputed the existence of any tarp and the green tarp has never been recovered from the scene. They placed the train into an emergency stop position and lay down on the horn. However, they were unable to stop in time due to the speed and weight of the train. Within about three seconds, they hit the bodies. Stefan noted that although three seconds does not seem like a long amount of time, it felt like an eternity for them. The weight of the heavy cargo train didn't come to a stop for another half-mile. The bodies were horribly mangled after. The two boys were identified as 16-year-old Don Henry and 17-year-old Kevin Ives. They were best friends and popular seniors at Bryant Arkansas High School. The boys mysteriously did not move despite the roar of the train, the sound of its brakes and its emergency horn. Those on the train reported the incident to the railroad and law enforcement authorities after coming to a complete stop. By 4.40 a.m., police arrived on the scene. According to the news articles, shortly after the boys' death, the engineer of the train later said that the train's spotlight had illuminated them shortly before they were struck. He said that they were lying on their backs, motionless, in a somewhat unnatural position and covered by a tarp from the waist down. A rifle and flashlight lay beside them. Crew members of an earlier train that had passed over the same stretch of tracks at around 1.30 a.m. reported seeing no one on or near the tracks. Stefan, who was the engineer of the train, told the police that it looked like they had been laid out by someone. They were lying exactly parallel on the tracks, their legs were covered by the rails, their torsos were between the tracks, and their arms were straight down by their sides. They were partially covered by a light green tarp. Lying parallel to both of them was Don's twenty-two rifle. Neither of them were moving. Nearby where the mangled bodies were found, the twenty two caliber rifle and the flashlight were also found. The gun and flashlight near the body suggested to the cops that they were using a hunting technique known as spotlighting, which involves blinding the prey by the bright light before shooting it, and it is illegal in the area. Which, in my opinion, is messed up that they even do that but i agree i don't even understand hunting so that's just my um hot take of the day (laughs) um the bodies were then taken to the medical examiner to perform an autopsy the state medical examiner dr malik ruled the deaths as an accident as a result of marijuana intoxication I'm laughing. Yes. I'm laughing. Saying that the boys had smoked the equivalent of 20 marijuana cigarettes. He determined that they had been in a deep sleep induced by the psychedelic effects of the drug and had never heard the oncoming train.
1: Now, let's just think here for a second. Anyone that knows someone, and you almost always know someone that smokes a little ganja here and there, (laughs) um, and if you don't do it yourself, I'm... Not saying that me or Jackie do it. We personally don't. I get drug tested all the time. Tidbit there. Um, (laughs) But you know now, obviously, back in the day, there was a huge stigma around it. And Mm -hmm. people were like, oh, my God, if you smoke pot, you're just this little hooligan, Mm -hmm. hippie, blah, blah, blah. And now it's like people are using that as like, you know. Pain medication. Pain medication. It helps with their chemotherapy. Anxiety. Like, like I, I don't do it. I'm all for it for people that do do it as long as you're doing it in a responsible manner. I totally agree so yeah the medical examiner ruled it as
0: an accident now the parents did not accept this finding and conducted their own investigation kevin's father larry could not believe that kevin was knocked out on marijuana or into any kind of heavy drug because he was usually home when kevin would come home from school and then his mother linda was home at nights so they never seen him quote unquote spaced out or seen any signs that he was into heavy drugs by all accounts, though, Kevin and Don were just your typical teenage boys. They loved to work on their cars and go hunting, and then on most weekends, they would double date with whoever they were dating at the time from school. Oh my god, that's so cute. Yeah, I love that for them. They, like, were best friends and just hung out all the time. But on the night of Saturday, August 22nd of 1987, Kevin and Don met a group of friends, on the outskirts of Little Rock at a favorite gathering place for the local teenagers, which that tells me it's probably like in the woods and they're drinking and having a bonfire type thing. Right Um, up our
1: alley here in Northwest Ohio.
0: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Because that's what it sounds like to me, like a place like that. Um, The two left around midnight to go back to Don's house. And Kevin waited on the porch while Don went inside to talk to his father Curtis, his father, recalls that Don came into his bedroom at around 12 15 a.m. He had said that he and Kevin were going to go hunting. He took Curtis's spotlight and took his own 22 rifle. They talked about 15 minutes before he had left. Kevin and Don set off to go spotlighting, which spotlighting apparently was a fairly widespread activity among the local boys. So around 1 a.m., they headed out and chose their usual hunting ground, which was along the railroad tracks that ran behind Don's house. So then when it comes back to like the ruling, Linda, Don's mother, wondered to she was talking to um, a news reporter and she had mentioned if they were so stoned, how were they able to lie down in identical positions on the railroad tracks? So, like, that was one of her first thoughts during the ruling. Curtis, Don's father, had the train's sound checked and found out that it was 98 decibels, which is equivalent to the sound of
1: a jackhammer or an air compressor running. And anyone that lives next to trains, you can be miles away from the tracks and it's still loud. Yeah. And if you have a house right next to a train track, which I used to have... It literally sounds like you're standing on the train tracks with mm-hmm. them when they blow their horn. There's no way how, no matter how stoned you are, you're going to hear that. And like, for mm-hmm. sure, marijuana is not like some of the other drugs where you're just like knocked out and you. And you're so out of it. You can't like move. Or you something. can't you, move. You're I, like yeah. in this weird euphoric state where you just like. You like, can get
0: sleepy. Yeah, but, but you're, you're gonna gonna not going to get to the point where if a train's going off, you're not going to hear it. I mean,
1: unless it was laced with something else. But like we're talking back in the day before people were really doing that. Curtis does not believe that anyone can sleep through that
0: kind of noise like we just said and he also points out that Don's gun was laying on the gravel and he does not believe that Don would do that because he
1: wouldn't want the wood on the gun to get scratched. Yeah, and young boys, like I know a young man that used to hunt all the time, they pride their guns like that's their baby. Like because they, yeah, they, they don't want fingerprints on, on They spend a lot of money on it. Yeah, yeah, they spend like their first, you know, a big amount of money saved mm-hmm. up on them. Like they're not going to do that. Exactly. Kevin and Don's families both hired a private investigator to
0: try and figure out what exactly happened. Um, However, they repeatedly received resistance from authorities who seemed unwilling to cooperate or change their opinions about the case. Because of this, the families were not able to move forward with their investigation. But five months after the deaths of Kevin and Don, their parents held a press conference. They had hoped that the authorities would reopen the investigation and this kind of like would push them to be forced to with the public also, you know, questioning yeah everything. And their plan worked. The day after the conference, the
1: investigation was officially reopened, which I would say is pretty rare that that happens. Well, and they all, also, like, the moment someone, and this is just a pro tip if you have anything like this going on, the louder you are about something, the more they want you to be quiet. So if, the, mm-hmm. if you can be so annoying to the officers that are not willing to help you, they're going to have to because then they're going to have, like, public, like, backlash for not doing yeah, it. Yeah, backlash So the for louder sure. you are, the more chance that you're going to have a situation handled. Yep. And so
0: once the case was reopened, there was a new appointed prosecutor. His name was Richard Garrett. And he had Kevin and Don's bodies exhumed for a second autopsy to be performed by a noted expert. So, aka, not the same coroner. A second autopsy by Georgia Medical Examiner Dr. Joseph Burton found the equivalent of only one to two marijuana cigarettes, not 20. Oh, weird! Shocker! Wow. Um, friends who were with him that night had confirmed this amount of marijuana, which I'm I'm wondering if they just didn't even ask the friends, or if they didn't take what they said seriously. Into consideration. Yeah. During the autopsy, they discovered that Don Henry's shirt contained evidence of a stab wound to the back, and Kevin Ives' skull may have been crushed by his own rifle. So, which those were not even mentioned in the original yeah. autopsy, which is pretty terrible, because that's like huge, that's huge evidence. So then in July 1988, a grand jury reversed Dr. Mollick's original findings of accidental death
1: and officially ruled their deaths as probable homicides. Oh, so now that someone else did your job, and now you look silly. Well, and it's not
0: even guaranteed homicide. It's probable. Like, Yeah. Like, what do you mean probable? Like, what, did one stab the uh, one, and the other bashed in their... No,
1: Good. what's probable here is that you didn't do your job right, buddy. Exactly. And now you're embarrassed because someone came in and found out a bunch of stuff you didn't report on. Exactly. And didn't try to report on. Yeah. So Dr. Joseph Burton also found evidence to indicate that one of them was already
0: dead and one was unconscious when they were hit by the train, uh, which also is a huge piece of evidence because one was already dead. There was evidence found that Dr. Malik did not follow proper procedures when conducting the autopsies, which, I mean, like we... are can already tell. Other medical experts and researchers have stated that it is highly unlikely, if not impossible, for a person to pass out from smoking marijuana, which, shocker, Uh, for it to happen to two people at the exact same time is so unlikely, unless, like we said, it was laced with something, but they didn't find evidence of that during the autopsy, so highly unlikely focus was then geared towards the green tarp. There were four people on the train who were able to observe the scene prior to the accident and stated that the bodies were partially covered by this green tarp that they have not been able to find. So neither Kevin nor Don owned a green tarp according to their
1: parents. So well that tells me right there that that's premeditated. Yeah. If you're bringing a tarp say this was their friends I'm not saying that is but like if you're bringing something like that you had the intention of doing something bad. Yeah. Yeah. So they're hidden so that the train engineer is not going to see them and then hit them and then all of a sudden their scene's cleaned up and wham, bam, I don't have to worry about anyone finding me. If there is a green tarp, which from
0: the evidence that there is, I'm saying there pretty much has to be, had to have been some type of tarp. That's four
1: witnesses that have no motive.
0: Yeah. and Well, four others plus the engineer.
1: Okay. So that's five witnesses. That's, that's five people that have no you know, dog in this fight. They mm-hmm. just are trying to help out this situation. Exactly. So then who covered them up and why?
0: Which obviously we're thinking to make people think that they were trying to commit suicide or something. The police who were at the scene searched for evidence, later denied that Stefan, the engineer from the train, had even told them about the tarp, which I'm thinking they were trying to cover something up with new evidence and re-examining old evidence the investigation unearthed a possible lead one week prior to kevin and don being killed a man wearing military fatigues had been spotted in the vicinity of where their bodies were run over his behavior was suspicious to locals and so some of them had called the cops to go have the cops check out what he was doing and when the police officer danny allen stopped to question him the man opened fire at him And by the time Alan got up from his seat, the man was gone. About five minutes later, the Saline County officers showed up, and they searched the area, but they were unable to find the man. Nothing was mentioned of finding gun shells or evidence of a bullet even being shot, but that was the word of the cop. On the night Kevin and Don died, witnesses again reported seeing a man in military fatigues. This time, he was leaving town, heading down a road less than 200 yards from the spot where the bodies were run over police have been unable to locate or identify this man and so like his identity is a mystery and kind of if he's even real i guess i i would say is a mystery to the public six weeks after the investigation was reopened in hodkin oklahoma 200 miles west of little rock two men two young men billy haineland and Dennis Decker were lying together on the railroad tracks and had been run over by a locomotive train in 1984 they were lying motionless on the tracks in a position nearly identical to Kevin and Don's. I speak on the two boys though a little more towards the end But back to Garrett, the prosecutor, he now believes because of all this evidence that Kevin and Don were murdered. Garrett believes the assailants incapacitated one of them and then felt like they had to do something to the other one. To cover their tracks, they lay them on the railroad tracks and cover them up with a tarp. So Kevin and Don's parents are determined to continue working on and investigating the case until it is solved. They have spent many hours at the spot where the boys were killed wondering how it all had happened. And they believe that Kevin and Don walked up onto something that they were not supposed to see. They were at the wrong place at the wrong time. Police speculated that Kevin and Don may have been related to drug trafficking. Uh, Several witnesses who testified before the grand jury were charged with drug trafficking and other offenses. However, no suspects were identified. Which, that sentence honestly confuses crap on me because I'm like, are they saying their friends were charged with drug trafficking? Or what does that mean? Or that Kevin and Don were drug trafficking.
1: Yeah, but like, what evidence do they have that they were drug trafficking? That's what I'm confused about. I hope to God they're not talking about drug trafficking like a little pot here and That's there to yeah. the other kids at school, yeah, and not like kids like, like a high ring, school You know, yeah, like, it's very hard for me to, to believe, believe that.
0: without further context. Exactly. So that sentence honestly confuses me, but I it was in a lot of news articles, so I thought I would say it. So sometime in 1988, Garrett, the prosecutor, had another autopsy conducted on Kevin and Don. So in October of 1988, shortly after the first broadcast of this case on tv the results of that autopsy were released the expert pathologist joe burton found an apparent stab wound in don's back and a wound on kevin's cheek he determined that tears in don's t-shirt fabric indicated that he had been stabbed in the back with a large knife and that kevin had apparently been struck in the head with the butt of the rifle possibly don's the wound on his cheek matched the shape of the butt of the rifle Which, I had said that earlier, but I think they did another one, and it was, like, more in-depth of what their wounds and stuff were. Congestion was also found in their lungs, which indicated that they had been hurt before being hit by the train. As a result of all this new evidence, the grand jury changed the ruling from probable homicide to definite homicide. An anonymous tip to the telecenter suggested that Kevin and Don were murdered by drug traffickers and that they may have stumbled onto them in the middle of a drug drop. Garrett was later interviewed by Robert Stack. He claimed that he was drug trafficking throughout Bryant and Celine County that also was connected to several other counties and states. He believes that Kevin and Don stumbled on either drug traffickers or a drug lab that manufactured meth and that they were killed as a result. He believes that others were involved or have knowledge of who was involved. He also suspects that there was some sort of police cover-up involved in this case. However, he was not sure if it was inadvertent or deliberate. In late December of 1988, the grand jury investigating the case released their final report, stating that the deaths were the result of foul play. However, no indictments were issued regarding the deaths. The grand jury did urge authorities to continue investigating the deaths and the drug problem in the county. In March of 1990, Kevin and Don's manner of death were officially changed from accidental to homicide. So in 1995, the investigation into Kevin and Don's murders were officially closed without their killers captured or identified. The families have conducted their own investigations and are still hoping that the case can be solved. So in conclusion... There are quite a few different, like, there's a lot of movies and TV shows that covers this case, Um, so I'll just go through a little bit of the information I found on them. In 1996, Linda and a film producer released a film, Obstruction of Justice, which detailed the botched investigation into the murders. It also looked into an alleged drug ring in Saline County, which ran out of Minna Airport and was covered up by the police. The film alleged that Kevin and Don were killed after they accidentally witnessed a clandestine drug deal that involved top state officials. Several people were implicated in this conspiracy, which involved numerous investigators and two grand jurors. In the film, two veteran sheriff deputies Jay Campbell and Kirk Lane were alleged to be the killers. It was alleged that they were the officers seen beating the two boys in a store parking lot. They denied any involvement in the case and successfully sued the film producer for libel. Former Saline County Prosecuting Attorney Dan Harmon investigated the case and presented evidence to the grand jury. He later served time in prison on federal drug and racketeering charges. Interestingly, Campbell and Lane were involved in investigating Harmon. So, they believed that he had found out about their investigation and named them as suspects in order to taint their credibility and hinder their investigation into him. Linda at first trusted Harmon, but later to believe he was involved. An ex-girlfriend of his reportedly told an investigator that he and two other men were responsible for the murders. However, he was never charged in the case or officially labeled a suspect. In August of 2016... Linda sued the United States over Freedom of Information Act request. She hoped to force eight federal agencies and three Arkansas-based law enforcement agencies to produce any documents they had about the case. A federal judge later dismissed many of the agencies listed, but ordered three of them to turn over the pertinent documents for him. However, Linda and her attorney did not find anything in the documents related to the murders. In January of 2018, former wrestler Billy Jack Haynes came forward claiming that he witnessed Kevin and Don's murders and knew who was responsible. He claimed that he was hired by a corrupt Arkansas politician to provide muscle, quote-unquote, at an Arkansas drug stop. While there, he allegedly witnessed the murders. However, many do not consider him to be a credible source. Then on October 23rd of 2018, The prosecutor, Garrett, passed away at age of 72. On June 3rd of 2021, Linda passed away at age 71. So just a few months later, on August 24th, Kevin's sister, Alicia, passed away at age 53. And to this day, no one has brought justice for Don and Kevin's murders. So unfortunately, they passed before knowing. Um, some more conspiracies related to this case like I said in the beginning there are a lot Um, it was mentioned in a few articles that they considered it being a uh, suicide but then found more evidence after being examined the second time that there was just too much evidence leading to homicide Then in June of 1988, a local man came forward claiming that on the night of the murders, he saw two police officers beating two boys senseless in a store parking lot before tossing them into a police car and driving away, which that's where Linda got that like story for the movie. The officers apparently returned to the scene later without the boys. It is not known if the boys were Kevin and Don or whether that was even reported. Something I found that was pretty wild and just all around suspicious was there were two similar cases around the same time of Kevin and Donald's death. In 1985, there was a case from Missouri where two boys were run over by a train, and then in 1984, two men in Oklahoma were run over by a train. And they were like both laying on the train, like Don and Kevin. The Oklahoma case, two men ages 21 and 26, about 50 miles from Arkansas border, were killed by a train. The deaths were initially ruled an accident, but a 1985 grand jury said the deaths were of an undetermined origin and recommended the authorities to keep investigating the case. With this case happening so close-slash-soon to Don and Kevin's case, people were insisting that Don and Kevin's case were to be looked into further, thinking that there might be some connection to the two cases. And then in the Missouri case was similar but different— the two boys were killed before dawn on August 20th of 1985 when they were struck by a train. Newton County Sheriff Mark Bridges said that the Missouri boys had talked about trying to position themselves between the tracks so the train would pass over them. And Prosecutor Richard Garrett, who looked into the Oklahoma deaths, said that he
1: thought there was no link between those deaths and the deaths of the Saline County boys. Yeah, I think that they were just playing on the tracks and it ended very well. Yeah, not very well for them.
0: Exactly. In Arkansas, Linoco County prosecuting attorney Lona Horn McCaslane charged Campbell, a former Poliski County narcotics officer, with a slew of felonies. They included manufacturing meth hindering prosecution, burglary, and theft. Campbell's wife, Kelly Campbell, was charged with burglary and theft too, as well as with taking inmates from the city jail for sex and providing them with drugs and alcohol. Harmon was not just prosecuting drug offenders, he was the drug offender. In 1997, almost a decade after the train desk grand jury, Harmon would be convicted in federal court of extortion and using his office for drug racketeering, but that was not known at the time. Nor was it publicly known that at the time of Harmon's much publicized grand jury, Dill Lane and Campbell were part of a joint drug task force that had a special prosecutor under investigation. So, like, all of that, they were all investigating and looking into the Don and Kevin's case. So, like, people, I was bringing it up because people are like, well, that kind of brings it together with people were thinking they walked up on something that they shouldn't be. Yeah. And that the police were trying to cover something up. So, I just wanted to mention that because that all was happening. Like, they were all doing all this drugs stuff while those two kids were
1: killed yeah i don't think like i those other cases do they have very similar um i guess very similar ways that the victims had died but i truly don't believe any of that's connected i think you're right i think they walked up on a drug deal with officials involved and something terrible happened yeah because that's what it it seems like that but everything's not what it seems but that's pretty
0: Pretty interesting. damning
1: yeah there's for sure and it's I don't know, like, I, the coroner situation, the original, I think the only reason he changed his story was because someone else came in outside of that district and was like, hey, this is not what happened. You didn't you Yeah, didn't I'm investigate. curious to, like, whether he got fired or or had been reprimanded or something. Something, because it doesn't make sense. Like,
0: he clearly didn't do his job. So how many others did he not do his job for? Yeah. So that is the case. It's pretty all
1: over the place. Yeah, it
0: really is all over the place. And it's a small town, And there's not a lot of force. And, you know, it's just questionable for sure. But as always, we thank you for listening. And And we can't wait to tell you another
1: case next week.
0: So please go follow us on Facebook or Instagram and share our podcast. Yes. Share, share, share. Please, please, please. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.